It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Moving on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the Vivid Seat Studios, use the promo code OVERTIME to get yourself up to 100 bucks off your very first purchase when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. It's Wednesday, which means it's time for Midweek with Manish, the beat reporter covering the New York Jets for the New York Daily News. Manish, uh, what is going on with this team right now, man? <laughs> well, certainly a forgettable performance on Monday night. Uh, you know, you, you do... Uh, you want to look at the big picture here, and for me, the big picture has always been that I have a strong belief that Sam Darnold will be a good player. Uh, he will not be back, uh, you know, for, for the foreseeable future. So it's going to be some tough sledding. Uh, but the, even with Sam Darnold, I think you realistically just have to look at this early portion of the schedule. How many wins did you think the Jets would actually have? With Darnold after six six games, I, I thought if they could get away at two and four, that would be a win. So uh, it was going to be difficult, regardless. Clearly, now with Luke Falk at quarterback uh, after Trevor Simeon's injury, it's going to be nearly impossible to come away with a win. I believe before Donald returns. Let's talk QB a little bit first of all. What are you hearing on Donald's timetable to return, and what's the plan of quarterback behind Luke Falk? Uh, in terms of when Darnold's going to return, it's an inexact situation. And there's reports from every corner of the football reporting universe uh, about uh, it being a month-long injury, five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks. I think all of that is actually true. The window is fairly large. Uh, he's not coming back, of course, against the Patriots this weekend. They've got to buy the following week. The most ambitious timetable had always been would he be healthy enough to return in week five uh, for the road game in Philadelphia? Uh, I can't say for certain that he will or he won't because I don't believe that the Jets know for certain uh, whether Darnold will be back for that game. I think the cautious approach, the smart approach, frankly, would be to wait beyond the Eagles game, and maybe that means the Cowboys the following week, or maybe even means uh, the, the game against the Patriots in primetime at MetLife Stadium. I just don't think there's a definitive answer. Everyone's searching for an answer. Fans, of course, want to know a declarative answer. And I just think that the truth is that uh, we don't know yet. And when I say we, I mean media, fans, and the team itself. Tremaine Johnson was benched in the game. It was a healthy scratch. He wasn't injured. There was no disciplinary action. He just was benched because he wasn't good. Afterwards, he was asked about the possibility of a trade, and to his credit, he took the high road and said he wants to be here, but let's be real about this. There's no way the Jets could move him, right? 
if the Jets could trade him, they would have already traded him uh, in the offseason. Uh, I understand the question. You want to get the player's perspective, but uh, as you just said, the reality is that if he could be traded, the Jets would have moved on from him uh, this offseason with Mike McCagnin and absolutely when Joe Douglas took over. Uh, the, the contract is not movable, and the Jets are in an interesting spot because, look, he's, his cap hit is $12 million for this season. Uh, the way that the contract was structured, five years, $72.5 million. But the reality is is that it's a three-year, $45 million deal. That's where the guaranteed money is. If the Jets decided to cut him after 2019, uh, they would have a $12 million dead cap hit. So the thinking all along was that, well, Trumaine Johnson is not going anywhere until after the 2020 season because then you can cut Beto in those last two years and have you know minimal – of uh, financial damage in terms of uh, dead money on your cap, uh, even though 2021 is about $8 million, I think. But uh, the reality is that uh, you look at a three-year window. Uh, the way that the Jets are looking at this now, just the evidence suggests that they don't trust him. The coaches don't believe in him. Maybe that could change this year. But if it continues down this path, and look, we've got 14 more games to go, so a lot of things can change. But if it continues down this path, uh, I believe the Jets would eat the money and cut him after 2019, and that's a big pill to swallow. Having 12 million dollars in debt, uh, you know, t- taking up your cap space for a cornerback who's not here. But again, I think we're kind of getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Can he reverse course? Yes. Is he in the Jets' doghouse? Greg Williams' doghouse? Denard Wilson, uh, the, the, the DB's coach, doghouse? Yes, he clearly is. There's no other reason why he would uh, essentially be benched for he played four snaps at the end of the game because Nate Harrison got a little bit banged up. But, uh, the, the you know, the proof is in the pudding. The team does not believe in him. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know if that will change. He's going to have to obviously prove it in practice. But as of right now, the team does not believe that he is a starting cornerback for them. One player that the team supposedly believed in a lot going into the season was Leonard Williams, but he has not done a lot to reward their faith so far. Through two games, he has not done much. He's in a contract year. Can't imagine he's helped his cause of getting himself a big contract with the way he started this season. Uh, after two games, yes. Uh, I don't think you want to overreact one way or the other, uh, good or bad, for, for Tremaine Johnson, uh, for Leonard Williams. It's a, such a small sample size. If we're talking about this uh, you know, at Halloween, then, then that's a different story altogether. But, yeah, the early returns haven't been particularly good. Uh, you know, Leonard Williams had a weird game yesterday. He only had two tackles. He had two quarterback hits, nothing else. You know, the sacks just aren't they're – not, they're not coming. Uh, but he's been good in so many different other areas. But it hasn't been a particularly good start uh, for him. Uh, and, again, uh, we could be having a completely different tune if over the next couple games you know, he, he does really well. So there is a danger in overreacting after two games, again, uh, uh, both ways, you know, good or bad. But uh, clearly he needs to play much better or he will not be – getting any kind of long-term deal from the Jets unless it's a, a really team-friendly deal. And, you know, if I were him, if he's not playing particularly well, I don't know what it would take to sign a long-term deal because uh, the Jets would probably uh, lowball him, of course. This offensive line, Manish, granted, like you said, small sample size and all of that, 
but there's only going to be a limited amount of time before they have to start making moves here because there's only so much of this that anybody can take, especially when Darnold comes back, if they want to keep him from getting killed and if they want to stop Le'Veon Bell running into brick walls. And to his credit, despite running into brick walls all night, Le'Veon Bell still managed to put together a pretty good night. And that's why if you had him on your FanDuel Fantasy team, at least you got something out of this game. Certainly didn't if you had Jamison Crowder on your team, but that's a whole other story. If you didn't play with FanDuel this week, you should play next week because if you're a brand new user, you get 20 bucks in site credit when you deposit 20 bucks or more. The beauty of it is it's week to week, so that means that one rotten apple can't ruin your team. If a guy gets injured for the year or if he's struggling much more so than you thought he was going to be when you drafted him high... No big deal. You move on to the next week. Sign up now for FanDuel and get 20 bucks in total bonus. Just make your first deposit of 20 bucks or more to get started, and you'll get an extra 5 bucks in site credit every week for four weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy or download the FanDuel app today. But Manish, getting back to the offensive line, they do have some decent depth behind the starters. Not that those guys are great, but the starters are playing so bad that they may want to mix it up. When do you see them starting to make some potential changes here? Obviously, I'm sure you would agree that at the end of the season, Joe Douglas is going to put a huge priority on fixing this offensive line, and you could potentially see five new starters next year, right? Well, I don't think you're going to see five new starters. That that would be unprecedented. Uh, I I don't know who would return. Uh, Assembly, in in theory, uh, could get cut with uh, minimal financial ramifications, but uh, I I would be stunned if the Jets had five new starters. That that doesn't typically happen in the NFL for a reason, but there's going to be significant turnover. Maybe it's three, maybe it's four. Uh, You know, I thought... (laughs) There were so many plays in this game on Monday night that were absolutely absurd. Part of it is just getting beat, uh, and part of it was terrible scheming, terrible coaching choices. Uh, Kelvin Beecham clearly could not handle Miles Garrett, and that was abundantly clear throughout the game. Uh, Garrett just used his power to bull rush uh, Beecham uh, way too many times. Uh, and then when that, when you see that happening as a coach, I do not understand how you don't provide help uh, for your left tackle. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me, especially when you're down to your second quarterback and then ultimately your third quarterback. There were also way too many times when Miles Garrett was unblocked, and I understand the play design. You know, the play design on those instances were get the ball to Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield quick. So, in essence, you're baiting, quote unquote, baiting uh, Miles Garrett to, to running at the quarterback, and then you've got. Uh, You've got Le'Veon Bell leaking free. Uh, so the concept, I, I do understand that. But when you were down to your your final quarterback, uh, Luke Falk, the emergency quarterback actually was Le'Veon Bell on Monday night. But when you're down to Luke Falk, I don't know if there's that much wisdom, or any wisdom, I should say, in having that kind of play design. Because there was one play in the fourth quarter in which Garrett absolutely crushed Falk. It was a... Uh, it was a third down play that ended up being that you know a quick pass to Le'Veon Bell, and then he cut across the field, got like eight yards or something like that. But Falk was just absolutely drilled on that play by Garrett. And what if Falk got hurt? Is it really worth you know designing that type of play, uh, giving a free runner to one of the best pass rushers in the NFL? I don't quite understand that. I think that's poor coaching. I don't really know how else I can say that. Uh, and it's a poor play design. Uh, you know, the offensive line is, is not been good. And I, you know, we just talked about not overreacting. Uh, I'm not sure, though, 
if this line is going to get much better. The first play of the second half was really a microcosm of the issues that the Jets have up front. On the right side, Olivier Vernon just drove back Brandon Shell into Falk's face. And on the left side, you had Garrett drive back uh, Kelvin Beach. And both tackles just got, you know, just got blown off the line of scrimmage by the edge rushers, and then ultimately it led to, uh, I think Garrett got credit for the sack on that play, but you know that was emblematic of the issues that they have. And then you've got Ryan Khalil, uh, and I think this certainly bears watching uh, over you know the next several days and the next several weeks. Khalil is the only offensive lineman not to take uh, play all 68 snaps in that game. He only played 50, and then Jonathan Harrison... As you, as you know, who was supposed to be the week one starter, played 18 snaps. So I don't know if that was rust, if that was ineffective play, uh, if that was uh, conditioning. Uh, I'm sure we'll get clarity on that in the coming days. But that certainly bears watching because everyone thought that Khalil was this incredible acquisition that Joe Douglas made. And it might end up being a very good acquisition, but to this point, the early returns on Khalil aren't very good either. So it's possible you could go into the matchup against the Patriots with Nate Hairston starting at cornerback over Tremaine Johnson and even Jonathan Harrison starting at center over Ryan Khalil. Not a guarantee, but it looks like it could be a possibility. And if nothing else, if this keeps up, it's trending towards that being what the Jets are going to be looking at as their regular lineup out of the bye, right? I mean, it's possible. Uh, I'm interested in the center. I want to know... Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll find this out. I want to know how the Jets actually feel about how Khalil has played uh, to this point. Because remember, he came in late, didn't play in the preseason. Maybe it's just residual rust. This is a former Pro Bowl player, or maybe, you know, maybe he's done. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know, but uh, I know what I've seen to this point. And again, even though it's a limited sample size, he has not been particularly effective. Manish, the injuries were piling up. We saw more of them yesterday. What do we know about some of the key players and when they're going to return, namely C.J. Mosley and Quinn Williams? Well, look, C.J. Mosley has a groin issue, right? Uh, and uh, uh, as Adam Gase has said uh, repeatedly, I think he's being truthful about this, is that it is very difficult to gauge uh, a timetable for a groin issue, a soft tissue issue, so the, the hamstrings fall in line in that category as well. Uh, I didn't think there was any opportunity. I know that Gase was holding out hope that he would play on Monday night, but that was never realistic. If he is not 100%, he should not play against the Patriots because a hobbled C.J. Mosley is going to be completely ineffective. If you have a, ham- a, a groin issue, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're just going to be a liability. So I, I think it's a little early to, to definitively know whether he'll play on Sunday. Quinn Williams actually surprised me a little bit. I, I thought that he would try to give it a go on the, on Monday, and he didn't. So I, I think of the two, you probably have a better chance that, that Williams would be ready for the game against the Patriots. Uh, I don't think that Jordan Jenkins is going to play just based on his body language, uh, the way he was walking around in the locker room after the game, a significant limp. Uh, I would be stunned, and I've been stunned before, but I, I would really be surprised if he was uh, available uh, against the Patriots. You've got the bye week coming up the following week. It probably makes much more sense to have him rest for two and a half weeks and see if he can give it a go uh, against Dallas. Uh, that might not even be possible. Maybe he's a little out longer. He's getting an MRI. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to play. Uh, I, I, I don't. I, I really think there's a chance he might not play for a few weeks. But again, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. But just uh, 
just based on what I saw, based on that type of injury, a calf injury, uh, I can't imagine that he would come back uh, for this game. Uh, Trevor Simeon has the ankle injury. Would not surprise me at all if it was a high ankle sprain, just based on you know what he was grabbing after he got hit by Miles Garrett on that roughing the passer. He's not going to. I would be stunned if he played either uh, against the Patriots. I think you're looking at Luke Falk as your starting quarterback against the the Patriots. Uh, And if that happens, of course, the Jets are going to have to bring in another quarterback. uh, And what's interesting to me is who would they bring in? Uh, If the Jets had not signed Trevor Simeon in the offseason, they would have brought in Brock Osweiler or David Fales. Those are two quarterbacks who Adam Gase is familiar with. They understand his offense. Uh, You know, say what you want about their you know their skill set, but uh, they do understand the scheme. So if Falk uh, is indeed going to be the starting quarterback against the Patriots, I would anticipate that one of those two guys, Fails or Osweiler, would uh, would uh, sign this week, just because you don't have a big learning curve curve in terms of understanding the playbook. So, so it's not a good situation. I did not want to give Adam Gase a, a free pass when Trevor Simeon was in, just because Simeon. You know, has a winning record as a starting quarterback and enough starts in his career. This was his 25th, where I thought that the Jets, uh, you know, should be able to play competitive and maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe even you know, squeeze out a win. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is difficult. When you have Luke Falk as your quarterback, it's difficult. I, I, that being said, I would like to see a little bit more creativity, some offensive ingenuity, because that's why Adam Gates was hired. He was hired to be a guru. Uh, and even before Trevor Simeon got hurt, in, in the quarter and a half I saw of Trevor Simeon and the Jet offense, uh, it was a lot of dink and dunk. It was a lot of what we saw when Sam Darnold was the quarterback in week one, not stretching the field, uh, just a lot of short stuff and just a lot of things that were disappointing, frankly, because I had high hopes that Adam Gase would really jolt this offense, and maybe he will you know, moving forward. But to this point, uh, regardless of whether it was Darnold, Simeon or Falk at quarterback, this offense has been stagnant. Uh, you know, they've got 11 points in eight quarters. That's doesn't matter who the quarterback is. That's that's embarrassing. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint 
unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. I was complaining about what Gase was doing yesterday with both Simeon and Falk. It seemed like his game plan was more or less to lay down and surrender. And I understand that you're going to be a lot more cautious with Simeon and especially Falk. But the answer can't be to not even try to win the game. So that's something that bears watching over the next couple of weeks. But I do want to ask you about a couple of columns that you wrote especially the most recent one where you more or less said that you don't think that expectations should have changed at all with Sam Darnold out and Trevor Simeon in. It sounds like you're at least changing your tune a little bit in that regard now that it's Luke Falk. Yeah, it's a difficult thing for a quarter uh, for a head coach to, to win with your third quarterback, especially a quarterback who had never been active in his career until Monday night. Uh, you've got to be fair to Adam Gase in that respect. Uh, you know, having Trevor Simeon in, in a guy who had 24 career starts before Monday night with a, with a winning record is a lot different than having a second year quarterback who was active for the first time. Uh, you've got to, you got to be fair about that. Uh, you know, I don't think you can expect miracles. Uh, again, I don't think they were winning any games with Trevor Simeon uh, at quarterback uh, over this you know first six week stretch. Uh, I certainly don't believe that they're going to win any games with, with Luke Falk. I want to see some creativity, however. I want to see some of the reasons why I liked the hire. I was on board when Adam Gase was hired because of uh, what I thought was a really creative, smart, offensive mind. Uh, but I haven't seen it to this point. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen. That doesn't mean that the, the Jets are going to go 0-16 or their offense is going to be a dud for the next three and a half months. Uh, but I have to call it like I see it. And from what I had heard from people who had worked with Gase and played for Gase in the past uh, was, you know, this was a good move, that this was a guy who could make this offense significantly better. And just because they lost Sam Darnold, uh, in my estimation, uh, doesn't ruin the entire season. That, that doesn't give Adam Gase a free pass. They're they're paying him a lot of money because they believed in him. Chris, Christopher Johnson called him an innovator, made him seem like the second coming of Bill Walsh. Said that uh, he's got a track record of making you know quarterbacks better and elevating their play, and that's why I felt that when Trevor Simeon uh, became the starting quarterback, the expectations should not change. Only also because I didn't think they were going to win that many games with Darnold over this six game stretch. I thought the bulk of their victories would come uh, after. After that second Patriot game, uh, and and that still could be the case, you know, assuming Darnold comes back uh, at, at some point in that window, or you know, Simeon is healthy. But I think that you know the more uh, realistic scenario is that Darnold will be healthy when the schedule lightens up. So uh, you know, but while Falk is the quarterback, uh, it, it's going to be difficult and challenging for Gase to say the least. But you've got to be creative. You've got to be smarter than what he was yesterday. It puts Gase in a difficult spot because, again, this is his third quarterback. I do agree with the notion of kind of easing him in when he came in, uh, and you saw that with, what, five or six consecutive touches from Bell. I think five or four or five or runs, and then you know a, a quick pass to Bell. Uh, I get that. Uh, so you know, 
Gates was in a difficult spot yesterday when Falk came in. Uh, I want to see some signs of life. Uh, you know, I want to see them stretching the field consistently. You know, the, the you know the passes at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage are fine and and good as changeups, but when they are the staple of your offense, regardless of who the quarterback is, you're not going to win very many games. No question about that. Adam Gase has to make the offense more creative, even if it's Luke Falk, even if it was Trevor Simeon, regardless of who's back there, you've got to at least try to win games. But I do think that it's weird that it seems like there's this perception that you turned on Adam Gase really, really quickly. So I just wanted to ask you about that because when Gase was hired, here's what you wrote. He's smart, confident, doesn't put up with any BS. He realizes that a rotten culture will destroy everything. He's got no time for knuckleheads. The Jets hit a home run by hiring Adam Gase to be their next head coach. And then you went on to talk about how innovative he was. And then you wrote this a couple of days ago. There are no free lunches or mulligans when they throw an obscene amount of money at you to direct grown men to run around and score touchdowns four months of the year. Sam Darnold's indefinite absence due to mononucleosis shouldn't change our expectations for Adam Gase this season. If he is indeed the quarterback guru that CEO Christopher Johnson billed him to be eight months ago, it's time to do with some guruing. Now, to be fair, you also did bill him as a guru. Now, you obviously don't own the Jets, but still you're somebody with a highly popular public platform. And on top of this, you have been very, very emphatic, and I agree with you on this, that Sam Darnold has the opportunity to be one of the league's best quarterbacks. So after one week last week, this all changed. You went from Adam Gase is this brilliant hire to Adam Gase gets no excuses, even though the guy that I said was going to be the next elite quarterback isn't here anymore. You could see where this would be a little strange to people, right? That it almost seemed like you completely did a 180 after one week. No, I actually completely disagree with that because both okay. points that you raised in both columns are not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. They're not one is not tied to the other. So that I believe that Adam Gase is a smart offensive mind. I still do. I think I just said it five minutes ago mm-hmm. that I still believe that, and I believe that Sam Darnold will be a difference maker in the league for a very long time. I have never said that Sam Darnold uh, in September of 2019 is Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. Uh, you know, I, he's not at that point right now, but he will get there in my estimation. And I think that Adam Gase is smart enough to help him get there. Uh, just because I believed that Adam Gase was, uh, you know, a smart offensive mind doesn't mean that I should be an apologist for Adam Gase and say that he gets a free pass because his second year quarterback with four career wins is out for, you know, a month or so. So the points that I raised in both columns are not mutually exclusive. You don't need one to be true to have the other be true. They are independent points, and I have consistently believed, and I still believe, as poorly as the Jets have played offensively through eight quarters, that that Adam Gase really does understand offense as well. And that's why I am befuddled that he has not stretched the field more often. That's why he's. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm a little confused why there's so much dink and dunk in the offense because there's stuff in his playbook that goes beyond five yards, that goes beyond ten yards. Uh, I just don't want to take him off the hook because I believe he is a smart guy, offensively speaking. I think that he is a very bright coach in that respect. 
but I am not going to say that this season doesn't matter now because Sam Darnold isn't playing and that he gets to make his four or five million dollars in 2019 without any consequence. And the consequence should not be that he gets fired. I have never advocated for any coach to be fired after one season. I don't believe that's true. I, I, I mean, I don't think that I shouldn't say that. I don't believe that's a good philosophy for a winning organization. You, if you start doing that, you become radioactive. You become what the Browns used to be when they had high turnover at the head coaching spot. Uh, and we'll see what happens moving forward. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. Three, four, five, six, seven years ago, uh, they were turning over coaches, you know, every other year. And I don't believe that's a, a stable way of handling your business. You know, the fact that I thought he was smart and Christopher Johnson thought that the, he he was a you know a smart offensive coach are completely different things. In that, I am not paying Adam Gase. I am not the owner of the team. I am not the CEO of the team. Uh, the expectations should not be lowered significantly because Trevor Simeon was in at quarterback. I think that's outrageous. I think that's a losing mindset. If you're going to do that, then you should probably start by you know having free admission to every game because why <laughs> charge your fan base uh, to watch a product that you don't think is going anywhere? That That doesn't make sense to me. You have to be competitive. You have to try to win, steal some wins. There are some great coaches in this league who suffer injuries uh, and never complain about it, and you never hear a peep out of them, and they end up going far in the playoffs. Sometimes they, they win a Super Bowl. The last time I checked, uh, Joe Douglas was part of an organization that won a Super Bowl after their MVP candidate quarterback uh, got hurt with, uh, what, four or five games left. They went on a playoff run with their backup quarterback, who uh, had one good season in his career and had really had a forgettable rest of his career. So, you know, the notion that Darnold was out means that the season is over and Adam Gase gets to make excuses is uh, ludicrous. And I, I, I believe that, the, you know, from the moment that I wrote it, I'm never going to change my mind on that because that's a loser's mindset. Winners overcome, winning coaches learn to deal with injuries. Bill Belichick has suffered a litany of injuries throughout his coaching career, and the Patriots keep on winning. Even when he lost his star quarterback, they won, uh, They won what, 10 games, right? So uh, I just think it's a loser's mindset. And I'm not saying that Adam Gase is a loser. What I'm saying is that from an organizational standpoint and a culture standpoint, if you're thrown in the towel, even privately, and saying, hey, it's okay, put your hands up, this season doesn't really matter. We don't have Sam Darnold for a month. Uh, you know that that is not a winning attitude, uh, and you will never become a winner if you think like that. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the off season, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. I completely agree with you that this should not give Adam Gase a free pass. No question about it. 
he has got to be judged on what he does here and how he makes the most of what he's got, whether it's Luke Falk, Trevor Simeon, or Sam Darnold. But you wrote in the column more than once that the expectations shouldn't change at all. So you really think that the expectations that fans had going into the season, say seven and nine to nine and seven, was the general consensus. That shouldn't change at all because Sam Darnold is going to miss a bunch of games. Luke Falk and Trevor Simeon, it's fair to expect the same number of wins. I wrote that column with the premise that Trevor Simeon would be the quarterback, not not Luke Falk. So, as I said earlier, you have to give uh, you do have to give Adam Gase. Uh, a break here with Luke Falk at the quarterback position. But when I wrote the column, Luke Falk was not the quarterback. It was Trevor Simeon. And it, and again, if you look at this first six-game stretch, uh, they already lost the game with Sam Darnold against the Bills. What do you think the record would have been after six games? Uh, they were 0-1 with Sam Darnold. Over the next five games, how many wins do fans actually think they would have won with Sam Darnold at quarterback? One? Two? There's no way you could be objective and say, the Jets would have won three of the next five games with Sam, with a healthy Sam Darnold. I mean, that's just looking through, you know, green and white uh, colored glasses. That's drinking the Kool-Aid. If you're being fair and objective about it, if Sam Darnold were healthy uh, after this 0-1 start, because we already have a, a record of him losing against Buffalo, would, they, would Sam Darnold have beaten the Patriots uh, at any point uh, over the next six weeks? Would he have won either of those two games? I think, I think an unbiased person would say no. So that puts him at three losses. Would they have won at Philadelphia? I guess if you're an, if you're a Jet fan, you could say yes. I don't believe so. I think that's a loss. Would they have beaten the Cowboys? Maybe. I you know I I don't know. I think the best chance the Jets had with a healthy Sam Darnold over this first six game stretch was Monday night against Cleveland because I don't think Cleveland's nearly as good as what people hyped them up to be. I thought they would be really good, but from what I what I've seen, I don't think they're that. Good. I think they, the Jets could have won that game uh, with Sam Darnold, but the Jets were underdogs before we found out Sam Darnold was even was even sick. Uh, Vegas had him as a two and a half point underdog when we thought Sam Darnold was going to be the quarterback. So perhaps they could have beaten Cleveland. Uh, so I, as I said before, and I firmly believe this, if Sam Darnold were the quarterback uh, and never gotten sick, I think the Jets would have started off two and four at best. But you will agree that regardless of whether or not the Jets go 2-4 and four or 0-6, oh they would have had a much better chance to win a couple of games early if Sam Darnold hadn't gotten mono rather than going to Trevor Simeon or now Luke Falk. I know that Luke Falk is the curveball here, but you do agree that Sam Darnold certainly would have given them a much better chance to win some of these games than Trevor Simeon would have, right? I think Sam Darnold's a better player than Trevor Simeon. Uh, a much better chance? I, I don't know. Uh, are we talking they have a 35% chance without Sam Darnold and a 45% chance or a 40% chance with Sam Darnold? It's such a nebulous uh, thing. I, I can't tell you uh, what does much better mean. I, I don't believe that they would have won more than two games uh, over the first six games, regardless of who the quarterback is. That's the, that's the clearest way that I can explain it. Uh, two and four at best. Likely one in five with Sam Darnold, uh, and then again the schedule lightens up after that, and that's when I thought the Jets could really, you know, roll roll together a few wins. 
I'll be honest with you, Manish. At this point, I think most Jets fans would very much be thrilled with one and five. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. Unless Darnold comes back, I, I do not see them winning a game with Luke Falk and or Brock Osweiler and or David Fales as their quarterback over the next month. Uh, I just shivered a little bit thinking about that. <laughs> it's going to be a rough couple of weeks, but hopefully, as you said, Adam Gase turns out to be the guy that you thought he was and that Christopher Johnson thought he was, and maybe he can do something with Luke Falk and the Jets can surprise some people over the next couple of weeks. I just want to see some creativity, some competitive, productive offensive football uh, from Gase. And again, I think if you look close at games with you know from play to play, if you look at a play design and you understand a play design and say, hey, this makes a lot of sense, it didn't work because you know, the quarterback's not good enough, then it's hard to fault Adam Gase. But when you are designing plays that are opening the door for your lesser players to get killed, <laughs> that to me is a coaching flaw. And hopefully Adam Gase gets that corrected. He's going to have to obviously change a lot of uh, things uh, in his playbook to you know to cater to Luke Folk's strengths or to cater to whoever is under center because Sam Darnold covered up for a lot of mistakes because of his mobility. Clearly, Simeon didn't have that mobility. Now we'll see with with Luke Falk. Uh, but again, be competitive, be productive, be disciplined. The Jets were none of that on Monday night. No question about it, and they are going to have to change that if they want any chance to win one of the games over the next couple of weeks. Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News, thanks so much for coming on, as always. Really glad that we got an opportunity to talk about that column that you wrote because a ton of people have been buzzing about it. I'm sure you've got plenty brewing right now that is going to spin Jets Twitter and basically all Jets fans on their heads over the next couple of days because you have a way of doing that, Manish, and that is why <laughs> you're one of the most well-read people on the Jets beat and why people keep going back and checking out your stuff. What do you have coming down the pike over at the Daily News right now? Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to be critical of the Patriots. So I guess Jets fans will like that, <laughs> but I, I don't... <laughs> I don't agree with how they've handled the Antonio Brown situation. Uh, it's a fluid situation, so so maybe uh, you know, maybe Antonio Brown won't even be playing on Sunday. But who knows? But uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for winners, and you can't take away the fact that the Patriots are are winners and and they they figure out ways to win. But uh, you know, just taking on Antonio Brown and keeping Antonio Brown after a lot of the stuff that's come to light over the last week or so is uh, you know, disgraceful, to be honest with you. Go ahead and read Manish this week in the Daily News. Sounds like if you're a Jets fan looking for some anti-Patriots material, Manish is going to give it to you this week. So sometimes Manish is the heel, sometimes he's the baby face. Manish, it sounds like you're going to be the baby face this week. So go ahead and read that in the Daily News when it comes out. Don't forget that we've got a ton of other great shows coming up here on Play Like a Jet the rest of the week leading up to the Patriots matchup at Foxborough. We'll have Prepare for Takeoff tomorrow with Paulie Brzez. Paulie has Mark Schofield, the host of Locked On Patriots, as his guest to dissect how things are going to look from the Patriots side of the ledger coming up this Sunday. Spoiler alert, Patriot fans are pretty confident for a reason. We'll have There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett, Travis Milton, and Josh Conrad coming up. Normally that's on Tuesdays, but because of the way that this week worked out, it's going to be later in the week this week instead, and it'll move back to Tuesday next week. Then we've got the weekend, and of course that means the pregame report with the very big deal Chris Nimbley, as well as the game day morning mailbag, and we will throw in some weather from Ed Valley, some gambling advice from my brother Craig, who had a decent week this week, 
and we will go over all the injuries, including what I'm sure we're going to find out about Trevor Simeon, with our medical expert, Dr. Steven Stoller, 35-year orthopedic surgeon. If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it really helps out a lot. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.